0: You so you're in Texas, right?
1: Yeah, in Texas, Granbury, Texas.
0: My uh Big, lead guitarist just it, moved to Austin. Big
1: Granbury, what's that?
0: <laughs> My lead guitarist just moved to Austin.
1: Oh, really? We lived there for 13 years before we moved here. It's about 200, about 220, 30 miles from here. We're we're due north and about 45, 50 miles southwest of Fort Worth. Uh, A Little bitty town, tiny, tiny little town. We we got sick and tired of Austin. It was uh, they they had a lot of uh, issues with the mayor there. He made it a sanctuary city. So all the bums from everywhere moved into Austin and camped out. And so they're camping in all these beautiful parks and on on the steps of city hall and all this stuff. And what got us, we were, this has been now about four years ago. We were uh, heading down for our wedding anniversary to have a, eat, eat in a nice restaurant downtown Austin and this vagrant, was taking a crap on the sidewalk right next to the car. And I said, we're done. I mean, we're, we're, we're done. We're not going to, we're getting out of here. We. Could, I was going to move to Nashville and, and uh, it's just uh, the standard of living there is so high that, you know, I can do everything with a, I can be there in an hour and a half in an airplane. So I'm okay. So that's why we're here. And the problem with this is I'm, you know, you can't run from it because all of a sudden Granbury, when we moved here, there was about 8,500 people. Now there's 30,000. Wow. So it's growing so fast. That's crazy. Gotta look it up. Look Granbury, Texas up sometimes. It's a beautiful place. It's gorgeous. Okay. I Granbury. will. G-R-A-N-B-U-R-Y. Grand- okay. It was named after a gentleman uh, that was a, a general in the Civil War and... Uh, lost his life in the Battle of Franklin, Tennessee. And uh this General Doyle that was one of his uh subordinates there. Uh the uh he liked General Granberry so much that he went from whatever town whatever the name of this town was, he went to to pick Granberry up at the battle of, of Franklin, brought his body here and then changed the name of the town. And they buried him here. He's buried in a cemetery here. That's cool. But uh yeah, he was there was about about, a, about 500 uh, Confederate soldiers versus 3000 Union soldiers and they just got massacred there in Franklin. I've been to that battleground. It's unbelievable. My but, uh, uh, uh
0: my basis is that he used to uh do the reenactments of the Civil War. He used to be one yeah, of the, yeah. the actors and it was That's he had cool.
1: That's very cool. Very cool. Because
0: I'm here in North Georgia, so they would do it like out, out in Resaka. I'm probably about, oh, yeah. an hour, about an hour away from Risaca. Down yeah,
1: by Stone Mountain and all that?
0: Uh, no, Resaka's more north. It's more toward Calhoun, right. Dalton, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I lived in Atlanta when I was a kid. My dad was uh, a big shot with Chrysler Corporation. And uh, they uh, at the time, uh, there was a, a brand called DeSoto. And my dad... It was his responsibility to go shut down all the Desoto regional offices and relocate all the employees that were worked for Desoto at the time. And so we, they were head. Desoto was headquartered in Atlanta, and so we went there for. And he slowly but surely ran the office until they finally got everybody located and all that stuff. But you know, as a kid, I enjoyed the the town. We there was a a, a little hamburger joint. That I'll never forget that was right around the corner from our house called the Maverick. And uh boy, it was good. I thought you were gonna say but the varsity. Then, <laughs> yeah. But since then, um we've been uh, we went to Atlanta last August for the uh ISA Awards and uh kind of brought back some old memory. I could remember some of the stuff that was there, even though we didn't exactly we went through downtown and I recognize some of the places and all it's grown and it's changed, but
2: mm-hmm. you know, you have plenty
1: of time with the traffic there. So you have plenty yeah. of time to take and all, <laughs> but uh, that was fun. That we, as a matter of fact, I got nominated uh, again this year or actually I'm a finalist uh, for the ISO awards. Again, I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. I am. But, I'm part uh, of ISO. Are you? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I've been not, or I'm a finalist of five categories this time. I, I, I did, i won album of the year last year, so I thought that was kind of cool. First time I've ever, uh, I've won, won some small stuff, but not any of the big stuff that they do, but uh, I was pretty shocked, pretty shocked when that happened. Didn't uh, didn't realize that uh, that I was even going to come close, but uh, lo and behold, there it was.
0: Yeah, I got, fun. Um, let me introduce this real quick because we can get talking, I'm having a good time. Okay, All right. This, everybody this is georgia songbirds and we are here with mr sonny morgan as you heard we're already given conversation so we're gonna jump right back into it um yeah the ISA, i was i forgot to do i did it for the for the band my band and then for the podcast um last year i just asked somebody I said well are you part of us i honestly forgot i just i got so busy yeah. and by the time i realized where yeah. it was it was too late yeah, well, yeah, th- yeah. this year it's just the radio dj of the year and yeah. it's, oh that's cool it's funny the is a podcast but everybody calls it a radio station but i do have a radio station that i run too as part of it but uh yeah there's a lot of singer songwriter i've been part of it for i guess about a year and a half or so and maybe two years i think it's two years uh but i never could go to the the award show because it's always on my twins
1: birthdays oh boy yeah the Mm 5th of August, yeah. is that their birthday well the sixth.
0: last year i think it was the six so it's so yeah. it like a weekend thing and before yeah, it, i just i just yeah. couldn't
1: because they're yeah.
0: they're 13 now they'll be 14 in august uh so every year that was it was like okay they're having a party okay well now it's on the actual birthday or we're gonna be it, it never were and i'm i'm not far from atlanta i'm probably yeah 45 minutes to an hour from atlanta yeah
1: yeah if you don't get in any traffic
0: well, I know I know the ways around the traffic.
1: I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you, man, the airport is a booger bear. Mm-hmm. It took us from the time we got off the plane to get our luggage, to get a rental car. We were there at least an hour and a half,
2: mm-hmm.
1: at least maybe longer. And then driving, it was where, where that uh, place is. It's called something Springs.
0: Sandy Springs.
1: Yeah, Sandy Springs. And uh, I guess it took us almost two hours to get from the airport to Sandy Springs in the traffic. Because we got in about, I think our plane landed about three thirty, four o'clock, so we're oh. right in the middle of road. So it was tough, and then, on top of that, we were we hit a rainstorm about the time, oh, well, we were probably five or six miles out of there. So this deluge of rain on that freeway, and, of course, people were hiding, and everywhere and everything else, it was really tough. Yeah, but we, we made it. We made. Made it back, so we're good.
0: Yeah, we come in to Cobb County. It's horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But uh, yeah, it. Uh, but we're uh, we're looking forward to it. That's uh, something that uh, you know I'd never in my wildest dreams ever thought that I would ever be even nominated. But you know I've got a real good fan base here on Facebook, and I guess wherever else. I mean, we do a lot of stuff world over the you know worldwide stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, matter of fact, there's been a lot of number ones that I've had in Europe that, that didn't even click over here and, uh, which was kind of wild. But, uh, in Texas, I don't, because they do red dirt, I don't sing red dirt. I sing traditional country. So, you know, there's, it's kind of tough there as well. So, uh, but I've got a couple of songs out on this new album that, that probably will fit Texas pretty well. Looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. I that going to ask you, do you get to play out in Texas?
1: Yeah um I have now here lately uh, back in back in December right around Christmas time we had a bunch of jobs set up is that you or me
0: that that was uh, mine I turned it yeah, down, so you hear vibrating yeah. we uh
1: we had we had several jobs that we had done and we would just done one and um about 2 days later after our last job I started feeling real bad Called my doctor. Doctor said, uh, you need to go to this emergency clinic. Sounds like you got COVID. I said, well, okay. So I go to the clinic. They stick the cotton thing up my nose. and Oh, yeah, you've got COVID. But the next morning, I really felt really bad, really bad. So I checked myself into the emergency room at the hospital here in Grandbury. The guy says, you don't have COVID. You've got pneumonia, brother. And it's bad. And so I was out 10 weeks. And, it, and those guys had to eat. So I said, look, guys. You know, we'll catch up sometime, but y'all go ahead and do what you need to do. And that's what ended up happening. I, uh, our bands kind of, kind of dispersed. so uh, we've got to start kind of from scratch again. And I'm, I'm really wanting to get some other guys anyway. There was a couple of guys there that really didn't have their hearts in it, and you know, you got to have people dedicated to it. And these guys, uh, really, uh, you know, they go to the job and, you know, they play through it and they go. Where's my money? Where's my money? And you know, before I even had a chance to open my bill and pay him, so you know it was that that wasn't good. But uh, we'll get back into it. I, I I'm doing solo stuff right now, so I've got four jobs next week, so they're all solo stuff. So I'm actually I'm actually less headache, and I'm making as much money as I would having to split it seven ways. So yeah. here we go. That's what I've been doing lately. I've I, I've been busy ever since I got well. I I got well uh, at the end of January, and uh, I've been booked. I I sing I sing five days last week. So, uh, and uh, then I turn around and do four more next week. So I'm I'm busy. So, it's good. It's been been real good to me that part of it. I've got a two hour show, which I don't like to sing two hours, but I do anyway. So. I've got a two-hour show coming up on Friday, and uh, that's going to be fun. But uh, they want me outside, and of course, the Texas heat and all that—all that good. So it'll be interesting to see what happens.
0: Now, do you get to do all your originals? do or You got those covers in there
2: too.
1: Well, I got a lot of covers. I, you know what I—you know—thing about it is, is that people that pay to come see me, they want to hear my originals. People that don't pay to come see me, that come. To listen like this deal here is a car show slash parody event they want to hear all the cover songs so i'll throw one of my songs in there just to throw it in there but because i want to sell a cd or two but um you know it's it's mostly covers that i do and we'll do like that's that two hours is 40 songs i mean no matter how you cut it that's what it is and so there'll be 40 songs that i sing and they're all they're anything from george Strait to to uh, Keith Whitley, to Neil Diamond, uh, you know, you name it. I pretty much sing everything. I've, I've got about a thousand songs in my head that I can sing, so it uh, works out pretty good for me. As long as I don't lose my memory, I'll be in good shape.
0: See, I've already lost my memory, and I'm a lot younger. <laughs> I'd say I'm a lot younger. I'm not a lot younger, but I'm, I'm 45, so well, I have my memory. You're a lot
1: younger. You're a lot younger.
0: <laughs> my memory. You can be
1: my son and have grandkids. I can have grandkids. I've been hit
0: to, so I've been knocked. I've been knocked out in my life twice, so that's probably my. My sister did it yeah. once when I was a kid. She was swinging a big old metal cable, and she says, "Stay out of the way!" So I'm, of course, I go over to pet the dog, and I wake up inside the house. She co cocked me right in the middle of my eyes. Mm-hmm. I woke up two yeah, swollen gosh. eyes and
1: laying on the oh, couch. I've only I've only been knocked out once, and that was by my, my dad. I, I got too big to got i got too big for him to whip me with a belt so we used to duke it and we just get in we just get in the in the living room there and start getting with it and i took an uppercut and knocked he knocked me smooth out out but i broke his arm once and i broke his hand once and and busted his head over a uh off a coffee table because i knocked him down and we it was one of those years it was one of those times i grew up in the era of peace and love and all that other stuff and the hippie era and all that kind of stuff so you know he didn't like all that so uh and i'd come home late at night and he didn't like that he'd be waiting for me and here we go so rest his soul he was my best man at my wedding we uh of course we kissed and made up so that was one of those things that it just happened for a young kid when you're think you uh, know everything in the world and you don't that uh you wake up and realize that that's the truth but uh yeah, I started. Uh, I guess probably, probably want to know how I started in this thing. Yes, sir. Uh, I started back when I was five years old. I started in the church choir, and I had a, and then I moved into uh, the adult side of it. I was still in a, in junior high or high school, I guess it was, but the choir director really took a liking to me. His name was Leroy Till, First Baptist Church downtown Dallas, and. Um, he really was the one that kind of started, you know, getting got started me getting interested in music. And, um, I had been playing, uh, and when I was in fifth grade, they had a little band at our elementary school and my dad bought me a trumpet. I played trumpet all the way through high school in the marching band and all that stuff. So that's where I learned music and how to read music and all that stuff. So, okay. um, it, it was one of those deals I went off to college and, and, uh, I had a job at Texas tech. I went to Texas tech and had a job up there. So I really didn't have much time to do any more than work and study. So came back. Um, my dad was a Dodge dealer all my growing up years. So, um, I started working at his dealership and I got it in my mind that my dream was not to be a singer, but to be a car dealer. And so for, the next 45 years or better i i worked in the car industry i, I owned eight dealerships at one time and and uh, not at all at once but over the years i'd buy one sell one all that kind of stuff but um when i you know i said i've lived in austin for 13 years i, I built a bentley rolls royce aston martin lotus dealership down in austin and it was back when austin had um in the metro area, they only had eight hundred thousand people. Now they've got like two and a half million. But I met a guy named, named Louis Messina, who uh I sold an Aston Martin to, and he was uh arena producer for big acts. And his biggest act was George Strait. And uh he said, you know, I George's been thinking about one of these cars and I'll I'll send him over to you. And I didn't think much about it after that, but Oh, about a week or two later, I get a call. This is George Strait. I need to come see you. So he comes up there, and I ended up selling my Rolls Royce. And uh, after that, we became pretty good buddies, and sold him ten or twelve Rolls and Bentleys and Aston Martins and things. And um, there wasn't a day, hardly a day, go by that I didn't communicate with him somehow, or go down to his house and sit and have a cup on the back porch and all that stuff. And um, there's a song. Um, that he and I wrote on his back for, or his kitchen table called Cold Beer Conversation. That basically, if you, it's about a couple of boys talking, drinking a beer, and talking about life in general. And uh, I didn't think that he was writing a song until i started spewing all this stuff out. I said, what are you doing? He said, "Oh, I'm just writing some stuff down." And so it, the uh, album came out, and it was almost word for word what I was saying. So that was interesting deal, but. Then I met a guy by the name of Ray Benson, who has a group called Sleep of the Wheel, and uh, he was really my guy. He uh, he was really and truly a guy that really we took a liking. I told him I, what I did with music and all that stuff, and he told me, he says, you know, go, you need to go down and and uh, uh, do some cover songs at one of these recording studios down there, send them off to somebody, see what they think. So that's what I did. And um, I sent him to a guy in Nashville and, and he's he called me about an hour and a half later and says, When can we meet? And I said, Well, you know, probably next week if you want. And so we flew out there on a on a Friday and met with him, had dinner with him, and he said, I want to introduce you to one of my one of my uh, acts, his name's Daryl Singletary, and maybe we can hook Daryl and you up together and you can tour with him. And how about meeting him Monday? And I said, well, that'd be great. And so Monday came around, he died Sunday night, uh, before I got a chance to meet him, he died of a blood clot in his leg, went up to his heart, had a heart attack, massive heart attack and died. So never met, never met him, but I did, he did write a song. My first song that I had my first hit with he wrote. And, uh, I guess if you want to call it, I was his last artist that he gave a song to, which I was kind of flattered by that. And, uh, it's called, it's a beautiful world. That's on my first album. And, uh, but anyway, back to the, back to Austin, I, uh, would go off and cause I'd, I hadn't sung before. I'd go off in these little karaoke bars and sing, you know, on these stages mm-hmm. just so I could get singing. And then one day I called Ray Benson. And I said, look, I said, we're going to, I know you got a, I know you got a show and how would you like to ride in a Bentley? And, to the show instead of your old tour bus. And he said, that sounds good. Pick me up 830. About two hours, we had conversation in the car. Next thing I know, halfway through the show, he calls me up on stage and I sang harmonies with him. We were through four or five of the songs. And and he said, you just need to get out there and do it. He was literally the boot to kick me over the fence that got me into this, uh, really actively into this business. And um, he's been very supportive of it and, George, on the other hand, hadn't been too supportive. He didn't, he didn't like me quit. I, I retired. They I sold the dealership and I along my, off my merry way. And, and, uh, I decided, you know, I've had enough of the car business. I'll just retire and do this singing thing. And, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'll pick up a record contract or something like that, but what you have to go through to do that wasn't my cup of tea. So, um, I'd do it on my own. And, and, uh, You know, I know I make enough to pay the grocery bill. That's about it. You know, you you know what I'm talking about. If you you get in this business to try to make money, go another direction because you ain't going to make much. I think in Spotify last year with 30 some odd thousand song hits that were played on Spotify, I think I made 600 bucks, 700 bucks, something like that. It's
2: not much. Ain't good.
1: You know, if I sold 30,000 CDs, it'd been great. Right. But that's over with nowadays. But, uh, anyway, that's kind of how things happened. And, and one thing led to another and, um, I've gotten invited to some things to sing at and, and, uh, you know, locally I do a lot of stuff in town. I've, i you know, it seems like every time I turn around, there's somebody, the Republican committee has got me singing at some deal they're having in July. I've got a, they did a deal here last, last month called the wine walk, which is, uh, deal where they set up all these vineyards around and you buy a $20 ticket and you get all the wine you can drink and of course I tell them I want to do it in the afternoon because by the afternoon all these people are walking around staggering around and their, their tips are better so uh anyway that, it's a lot of little things that I'm doing and I'm having fun doing it and, and uh I'll record an album about well this is uh this was my third, it's my fourth album, but the third album was a kind of a greatest hits type thing. It was a combination of, of the first two with the songs that were the most popular. So that was number three. Okay. But number four was one that, um, really and truly were songs that I collaborated with, with my writers. And the, they're out of Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Great, great guys and girls. Uh, and, uh, it literally is just, just now coming on. I, It was released two weeks ago or three weeks ago, maybe. And I've just now got the, you know, with the way you have to do everything with the with the way you tag them and all that stuff. It took me I finally got that done this past week because people don't get in a hurry in Nashville to do anything. And so I finally got that back and I'm starting to send those songs out to radio stations. So that's kind of what's happening there but they're good. There's some good stuff in there. It really is. I'm real pleased with how it turned out. I've got a great little band that records with me and some really good, really good musicians. Uh, my lead guitar player is a guy named Brent Mason. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not, uh, out of Nashville. He just got inducted in the country music hall of fame, which was kind of cool. That's really Joe cool. Spivey. Yeah. Joe Spivey, my fiddle player, uh, World-renowned guy, he's uh, unbelievable. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Lonnie Wilson, who's a drummer, uh, he's used to be with George Strait on the Ace and the Hole band, but he just didn't like traveling, so he's not with. Well, he does a great job, and I mean, I can go on and on. All these guys that are in this band, Buddy hikes my producer, who is also my keyboardist, and uh, it's just a you know superstars of these guys, and I was very fortunate to meet a person that introduced me to these guys and they, they do these studio albums. We were first album was recorded at ocean way, which is on music row. And the uh, second and third album were done at Hilltop studios in Madison or uh, Madison, uh, Tennessee. And that was the original old uh, uh, Hank Williams and Loretta Lynn's place where they used to record. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so much fun. I tell you I, most most fun I ever I have doing this literally is the recording part of it. I love doing that. and uh, you know I, he'll come he'll, he'll have me go in there and he will say, oh, all right well, that was a good one, but let's do another one. I'll you know, we'll do three or four takes and what buddy'll do is he'll take a little snippet of this, a little snippet of that, take the best of the, of the three or four that I do. Mm-hmm. And it works out great. Works out really
2: good.
0: Cool. What we're gonna do, Sonny, is cause all the stuff is pre-recorded. So normally it's just that conversation like we're doing. Uh yeah. I'm gonna share the screen so we can listen to your music too. Uh, we'll, okay. get like, we'll get like we've got like three songs. So I'm gonna pull up Spotify if it will let me. It's been yeah. acting play, weird.
1: Yeah, play Lonely Star State. And if you don't, if you can't do that, I can email them real quick to you. Okay. Doesn't take it long if, if that'll work.
0: I, can, I might can might pull it up on YouTube because if you do like under topic you can find it i just Let
1: me... type sunny morgan lonely star state and it'll pull up all of those songs should because you know texas is the lone star state so mm-hmm. this is lonely star State. and the and the title cut is called lonely star state yeah, that's lonely. the one that's getting that's getting a lot of a lot of movement activity handwritten's good and what you have in mind is good those those three are pretty good Big, small town, big time was written about Granbury and you probably wouldn't understand, you'd have to, you'd have to be here to understand the song because it's got a lot of innuendos in about, you know, downtown and all this stuff. I wrote that literally basically for the people here in Granbury.
0: <laughs> well, look, I'm a songwriter too. So I like to hear the stories behind the song. So, so, right. uh, what's the story behind Lonely Star State?
1: Well, Lonely Star State, uh, Mark Namor who is my songwriter, and Valerie Wilson, who are my songwriters. We they they're out of muscle shoals. And Mark, to kind of give you an idea, he uh, he wrote for uh, uh oh what's the name of that what's the name of that group? Moon Over Georgia. What's the name of that group? Shenandoah. Shenandoah, yeah. I love Shenandoah.
2: He uh, <laughs> he wrote a
1: lot of their songs and I, I met him kind of a funny story, but his uncle, is named Spooner Odom, who is a legend. I I won't go into Spooner, but if you, if you, if you Wikipedia him, you need to see old Spooner. He's written so many songs and I met him at a BMI party in Nashville. And that's how he hooked me up with Mark. But I wanted to, I wanted to sing, I wanted to sing something that was more of a Texas, Texas feel to it. Mm -hmm. And so we got on the phone and collaborated and, and, uh, wrote this song and i mean it's it's you know if you've ever been to texas you'll you'll recognize all of this stuff because it's uh i mean it really and truly and it's about a guy that uh uh basically lost his girlfriend and he's waiting for her to come back to him and he's looking for a little jeep that she drives and all this stuff and he uh he's just waiting for her to come back and, and uh he he ends this he ends the song with uh you know, wish you'd come back, you know, that kind of thing. And it's a, uh, but it's a good one. It's a, uh, and it's a lot of play on words with, uh, with, the uh, lone, lone star state, lonely star state, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I like the hook of it already. I like that. Lone yeah, star Yeah. State. yeah. Come back! I like the traditional sound and, and the hook of yeah. it. The, the yeah. line that stuck out that I really liked with the, Brazi- the Brazilian girls, with the, the Brazilian, Brazilian girls, with Brazil. Yeah that's, yeah. that's so clever how the internal rhyme stuff.
1: And, and, you know, the thing about it is anybody asked me about Willie, you know, Willie would ride. Mm-hmm. Willie's my bulldog.
0: See, I was assuming so, Willie Nelson. <laughs>
1: yeah. Everybody assumes it's Willie, you know, the Willie. Yep. Willie's the bulldog, you know. Willie the Bulldog, which I think is kind of funny. That is, well, it, it fits. I mean, you that's like figure, having... you know somebody, somebody's driving along, going to the coast. You know, you can I guess you could throw Willie in the on the radio, but you know you got your old dog sitting next to you, man. That's your friend. Yeah, you know, that kind of deal.
0: Well, I'm sure Willie doesn't go to the beach too.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> nothing, nothing surprised me. I sold him a car. I, it was so much fun selling him a car, I tell you. He bought a Cadillac from me to give to his drummer, Paul English. So Paul is his godfather to his kids. And um, we had such a good time doing that. And that was, that was memorial. I mean, it was, yeah, what a classic day. You See, know, I want- I've, sold, I've sold Charlie Pride cars. i sold him 10 or 15 cars. You know, just a lot of stars I've sold cars to.
0: Now, I just don't – I don't imagine country stores buying Bentleys, but now that, that you've told me that. I mean, I see why they got the money for it, but – Well,
1: George told me one time, you know, he – this was the first car real exotic that he bought. He'd been buying vets and stuff. Actually, mm-hmm. Chevrolet gave them to him. But he'd always, as a kid, always wanted a Rolls-Royce. And so, basically, he told me, he says, you know – I'm gonna get one now. I, I can afford one. No, no worries. So I ended up about half and half. I probably sold him twelve cars, and one of the one of the Rolls Royces I sold him was um, a, a Phantom Drophead. Which, if you've ever seen one, you ought to look it up because the Phantom Dropheads that one of that big model car. I mean, it's huge, mm-hmm. and but it's a two door car, and the doors open like suicide doors. And they're only it's a two-door car, but they open. And what you do is you you've got this little key fob and you just push the button and the doors open for you. But he um, he wanted me to build him one special. And so I said, What do you want? And he said, Just surprise me. And I said, Yeah, I'm gonna surprise you. This it's gonna cost you about it's gonna cost you over six hundred grand. So I mean, you're gonna have to give me some input, or I'm not gonna take it back. Once it comes in, it's yours. So anyway, he said. I trust what you do. Just do it. So I went to Rolls Royce and had them make a special paint. It's still there. I mean, they got it in their archives called George Strait white. And it's a, it's kind of a, a pearlized kind of off white, but it's not, it's bright white, but it's not white, white. Um, it's, it's just beautiful. And it had a black top cause he had black wears black hats and it had uh, a white interior piped in black uh, piping. And, um, it, uh, I always named his cars, and this one here, he was coming off of this so-called tour that he was going to quit touring, and the tour was called Cowboy Rides Aways, and name of the tour he had, and so on the sill plate down where you step over it and get in the car, you know, there's a plate down there. A lot of cars you will see nowadays have illuminated plates down there that have the name of the car. Well, this one I had him making a sterling silver plaque on the sill plate that says this car is freshly made for George Strait and cowboy rides away in quotes. And when he opened that door and saw that, he started crying. It was crazy. It was an emotional day. And, um, we're sitting there, this was a, literally the day after his his tour here in Arlington that finished. And, um, I said, uh, I said, you, he, he, when you were talking, he said, well, now I can relax a little bit and all that stuff. And I said, you're not going to relax. And I said, you're going to continue to tour, and he said, "No, I'm not." And he said, "He said I'm going to lay off." And I said, "You're not." I said, "I know what you make on these because he told me." And I said, "I know what you make." I said, "You're going to go. You know where you're going to go next year? You're going to go to Vegas and do residencies." And I said, "He goes, how do you know that?" And I said, "Well, that's where all these guys that say they're going to end their tour go, because it's really not a tour; it's a residency, but it's technically a tour." he did like 30 shows in Vegas over two or three years. I went to every one of them, but, but fact, the matter is, is that he didn't, he didn't uh, retire. He can't, he, he can't retire. His lifestyle's too strong. And so basically what ended up happening is, is that now he's touring again, officially he's back touring. He just did Phoenix. Uh, he's gonna, he's coming in. Uh, I think it's Chicago or someplace next and then he comes to Fort Worth for two nights. He sells them out. He this place called Dickie's Arena uh here in Fort Worth, that's about 20, 25,000 seats. He'll sell every one of those out two nights. Oh yeah. Fifty thousand people. So you know and it and it's the same it's the same show. He really never deviates from it. And um he's joined you know, straight. See, he doesn't have to. <laughs> no, and I'm gonna tell you something if you if you go to those shows it's 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 two it's two audiences. It's one of the older gals that knew him and were fans of his back in the eighties that now are in their sixties and seventies and some eighties. And then it's a bunch of young girls and guys that like to go to it just to say they've gone and they get there and drink a lot of beer and get drunk. Don't even listen to him. It's that, I mean, it's almost split right down the middle for that. It's like what, you know, Jimmy Buffett, when he was touring, you have the Parrot Heads, and then you have all the drunks that showed up just to drink and be there at a Jimmy Buffett concert. And um, that's kind of the way things are with, with George now. And it, I don't see that he ever – I really feel like he'll continue until he can't sing anymore. That's kind of the way I look at it. Um, old Gordon Lightfoot, who just passed away, you know, he was 84 or something and had a lot of problems. I mean, I saw him here two or three years ago. And he, 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 he would um, get up on stage. He'd sing four or five songs, says, Folks, I got to take a break. I got to go to the bathroom. And he'd go take a potty break and he'd come back and sing some more. And I got to take a break. I got go to the potty, go to the potty bathroom. And that was the way old Gordon Lightfoot did until the day he passed away. I mean, that was just the way it was. And you see a lot of them like that. Alan Jackson, unfortunately, had to retire early because of uh, this rare disease that he got that he can't stand up i don't know if you've heard of that or not but uh i don't know his call, but yeah i've seen i've
0: seen the videos and i've heard, I read the story yeah.
1: one of my favorite favorite artists of all times i know damn near every one of his songs mm-hmm. uh by memory and and i sing a lot of it, alan jackson's and as a matter of fact the very first way well, i'll take it back the very first i guess you want to call it country album i bought was garth brooks back years ago but i bought all of aj's albums too and poor guy he doesn't want to give it up but he has to he can't he cannot stand or sit on a chair now yeah that's bad That's not good yeah
0: we I actually had a song it was on hold with alan jackson but he he didn't take it so i was like but to have a song on hold is like
1: yes (laughs) oh man man oh man well he's a good songwriter too i tell you he's he uh he writes about real world and writes about his his life i mean that Mm -hmm. was what he most of his songs are about i mean if you put them all together you can pretty much know the kind of guy he is. You know, if you if you listen to every one of the words that he sings in there, you can tell when he went through his divorce or is not divorce but his separation. You can tell tell that and when he got back, he, there's a song he wrote for that and you know all of that kind of stuff. And uh, you know the the bad part about this and I, I hate to you know, I'm not a negative kind of guy, but I'm the most positive guy you ever know or ever met. But I'm not a real big fan on stuff that you see, like the CMAs or whatever it was the other day that was in Austin and uh, Country Music Awards or whatever they were. I can't remember. CMTs is what it was. Uh, A guy named Jelly Roll won a bunch of awards. Have you seen that guy? Have you heard him? I've heard him. Yeah, that ain't country music, man. No, the, the country like,
0: music, is the, the days of the, I grew up in, like I said, I'm 45. The 90s country yeah. is what I remember. George Strait yeah. is oh, probably yeah. my favorite country artist oh, yeah. of all yeah. time.
1: I love George yeah. Strait.
0: So, yeah. George Strait, if you listen to this, brother, I want you to come on the show. I yeah. love you. love to talk to you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I hope, I hope you are listening, George. All right. Call me, man. I need to talk to you me too (laughs) but yeah the stuff they play now
0: on the radio it's not country i mean i know they want it to to change and they want to try to grow but it's they take the art away from it i've had this conversation with other songwriters and and artists too like chris stapleton is an amazing amazing singer songwriter for him to have to wait that long to get his 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 shot right then it's kind of it's crazy because i mean you cannot deny the man's talent Jelly Roll now for all intents he's got a great voice, but you're right, it's not yeah. country music. No, they
1: don't do traditional be country, bebop anymore. or whatever, whatever that whatever that genre is. Yeah, uh, he... another guy with a great voice that needs to be in bebop or whatever you want to call it is Kane Brown. Mm-hmm. That guy's got a really good voice. He does. And his wife has a good voice. They sing duets, but I'll be damned if they sing country music. I didn't. I didn't hear one. St- bit of country music in it it's it's almost um kind of marvin gay kind of sound to it to me you know that kind of thing if you're old enough to remember marvin gay oh yeah i listen to all kinds of that stuff yeah but you know that's the kind of feel i get when i listen to the guy no disrespect but i tell you the guy that i kept the guys that are out there right now that i think are kind of tweeners they're on the fence that if if this thing shifted back more country
2: mm-hmm.
1: is one of the blue combs i think that guy could pop right into that without any problem at all because he's right on that borderline um i think that um you know cody johnson who is an old texas boy he's gotten real popular I th- he's on that he's on that fence
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, um you know the thing about it is is that you know i i, I enjoy listening to some of it but i I had to turn off that that awards thing they had down in in uh, in Austin the other day because there wasn't a single person in there that i really cared that much about listening to, and uh, you know now. And I had a conversation with George one time about that, and that's when he wrote that song "Kicked Out of Country." You've heard that song; he's done, and it was basically over the. Fact that he was he was up for an award for Entertainer of the Year and he should they should have given it to him because there's no better entertainer that's done more for country music than he has. I mean, I really do believe that. And the guy named Dirks Bentley won it. He hadn't even had a hit yet, and I mean, he had not even had a hit. They were playing some of his songs, but he, I don't think it ever got up in the top ten with one of his songs, and they made him Entertainer of the Year, and. Uh, you know, along with the other nominee, nominees, there, they weren't happy with that one. And George said, "I'm done." You know, that's not right. And he was he was livid because I I went over to his house the day after he came back from that award show, and he was not happy, not happy at all. And I don't blame him. I would be too. I you know that would not that I mean, you know, with the kind of magnitude he has, and the kind I mean he. He's broken every record in the world. There's not. Mm-hmm. There's nobody. Even Elvis can't touch him on some of the hundred and four thousand people in one place. He still holds that record. And uh, you know, no one's gotten sixty. I think it's sixty-one hits now. Yeah, I bought his top. F- we had the top fifty. I bought one. the
2: fifty.
1: Yeah. 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 They, and then ta- and he he, uh, he decided to, to. I don't know if Dean Dillon wanted more money to write songs for him or what, but. <laughs> he started writing his own stuff with Bubba and, you know, they're not Dean Dillon. And, uh, you know, he, he, ought to remember who brought him to the dance. So Dean, man, that guy, I'd love to meet him just to, you know, beg him to just give me one of your old Cull songs, you know, one right. send it to me. Let me try to sing it. Guys, know, Tennessee
0: guy. whiskey, Dean Dillon was a writer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, George Jones, actually, there was two songs that George Jones didn't want to record. He stopped loving her today. He, he didn't want to, He was in a studio and they, they gave him this song. He goes, this is junk. I don't want to sing this. And uh, so they uh, his producer said, look, just run it through one time and see what you think. So he sang it and it was he sang it and got it. He nailed it on the first go around. And he walked out of the studio and said, I still don't like that song. And that was the number one. Yeah. That's so, probably uh, his,
0: one of his, his biggest hits.
1: That was, I think that was his biggest hit. But uh, of course, Tennessee Whiskey was right behind it. And then White Lightning, of all things, was behind that one. <laughs> yep. I think that's a great song. If The lyrics are just hilarious. I, I sing that periodically. As a matter of fact, I'm going to sing it this weekend when I'm doing this show because it's just a funny song. and Everybody gets a kick out of it when they when you do that. I like it.
0: My my favorite George Jones song is "Who's Gonna Fill Her Shoes." I love that song.
1: Good song too. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know it. It's one. uh, You know my my deal is if you if you go back and listen. You know, if you take just take time to go back and listen to, you know, my first and and second album, and then this technically is my third if you don't count my greatest hits thing. Mm-hmm. And just listen to songs. I mean, they're, I've even got one on this, 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 uh, this album here. I always have to put in a real honest to goodness, traditional crying your beer country song. And, uh, I, I have to do that in every album I do. And this one here is, uh, Unsteady As She Goes is the name of it. It's play another play on words. Is that you know, the one you want to do next? Well, if you want to hear it, it's it's a it's a, it's an old traditional, hardcore twang. I mean, it's it's some it's some twang. Now the the one that I think the one I I think the one I like the one I'd like you to do is what you have in mind, which is a okay. This is a writer out of Utah that listen to this. I'm on. I'm sure you're on LinkedIn,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, this guy. I just announced that I was going to do a new album. And that's all I said. I said, working on working on a new album. This guy sends me a, a a message and says, "I'm a songwriter. I've got a song. Would you please listen to it? Maybe you might want to record it." And he sent me, and it's a clever little song, and, and it's called "What You Have in Mind," and it uh, it's it's a country song. I mean, there's no doubt, but uh, it's got a. It's if you listen to it, it's got. I love stories. Mm-hmm. I think that's what country music. You know, if you if you listen to the real, true, honest to goodness country songs. They've all got stories to tell. And uh, this one's got a big one in it. It's a good one. It's, it's, a, it's about this guy that is madly in love with his, his I guess it's probably his wife, girlfriend, whatever. And um, and the key word is what you have in mind. And that, of course, you know, I won't say any more than that. But, uh, it's a good song. Good song. All Terrence right. Allen is the writer on this out of, out of Utah. Nice. Okay, Very what I'm gonna do,
0: then, Sunny, I'm gonna mm-hmm. mute us and play that. Okay. Uh, just give me a all thumbs right. up when you hear it. Yeah, you got it.
1: I guess there's a reason for all our little spats. Seeing you want this when I want that.
2: cute song
0: yeah it's a cute song that's that's very clever
1: yeah yeah that guy's good he's he uh he was right and when he sent me the song i i kind of i've got a little music room here in the house and i went in there and played with it a little bit i said you know this thing we can make something out of this and so i called my producer and i said listen to the song see if you can put some music tracks together he put one together sent to me and he said this is pretty close and i said yeah i said i can use this one and he goes let's do it. So that's how we ended up recording that one. I guess the next song, because um, I I love this gal so much. Um, she was a co-writer on that first song you played. Uh, her name's Valerie Wilson, and she and a gal by the name of Lori Loveless, um, they wrote this song. They're, they're out of Muscle Shoals as well. And they sent it to me and they said, you know, we wrote this song kind of with you in mind, but you don't have to record it if you don't want to, you know, one of those kind of deals. And I said, well, let me hear it. And they, so they sent it to me and, and, uh, I really, really liked it. It's called handwritten and handwritten is, uh, um, it's really a, it's, it, it's another one of those love stories. And it's one of those deals where he finds this traditional gal and he's really in love with her. And he said, this is a commitment. You don't back out. You know, when, once you're in, you don't back out, all this stuff. And it's got a it's got a real good message to it. And I just like it. And it was nominated and it's a, a finalist at ISA, this particular song called Handwritten. And I, I wouldn't do them justice if I didn't, you know, brag about that one a little bit. Okay. Other you can to the other ones after we get off the air here. But uh you know, you need to you need to listen to handwritten. It's a good one. It's sure. a real good
0: one. We can do that. We always give yeah. three songs, so we can do that as your last yeah. song
1: yeah i think so. i think that would be a good one you're like an old love letter a straight up shoebox treasure my favorite spin on the girl next door full of your granddaddy's wisdom Singing with a wooden spoon in the kitchen They don't make them like you no more Yeah, you're a surefire keeper A beautiful adventure This love of yours keeps getting better It's the purest kind of honesty That ink on paper forever kind of thing You can't backspace and start again The kind that makes romance count Says once you're in, you don't back out Girl, you've got what my world's been missing Love that feels handwritten You're like a sweet love story With just a touch of mystery For me to unfold a little bit at a time Working on your own brand of magic Sexy, cool, old school, romantic Burning me slow till you work your way inside Yeah, you're a surefire keeper A beautiful adventure This love of yours is feeling right for Thing. You can't back space and start again The kind that makes romance count Says once you're in, you don't back out Girl, you got what my world's been missing That ink-on-paper-forever kind of thing You can't backspace and start again The kind that makes romance count Says once you're in, you don't back out Girl, you got what my world's been missing Girl, you got what my world's been missing Love that and <clears throat> I love that song. Very clever. Yeah. That's a good one too. It's got that country yeah,
0: hook a- where it flips on you.
1: Oh yeah. 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 That's a good one. The- tell you, you know, the, uh, I've had some, you know, I've been fortunate to have wonderful songwriters mm-hmm. and one ones that are loyal to me. And uh, I did a song called John Deere Steering Wheel, which is a really funny song. You need to listen to that sometime. But that sucker went on the uh, big Nashville chart. I went to 32 on the big chart, uh, the uh, telestial chart with Carrie Underwood, and, uh, Blake Shelton, Keith Urban, all those guys, and you go down the list, and there's all these Dan and Shea and all these guys, and then you go down to number 32, and there I was. I, it peaked at 32, but still, you know, that that's hard to believe. Here's a guy in Granbury, Texas, that's an old fart to begin with and, and uh, you know, ends up having a, a big song, and, and uh, you know, it was written by Martin Amore and, and his two Spooner Odom had a part to do with that and also uh, uh, Carl Holder, which is his uh, other cousin. And they wrote it for me. I mean, it was one of those deals. I was trying, what we were trying to do, I wanted to try to get a line dance song, kind of like Boot Scootin' Boogie, where when Boot Scootin' Boogie comes on and you sing it at a, anywhere, your, any place, People start getting they assume the position and start doing the, the boot scoot, and boogie, what they do. And I wanted to have I want to get a choreographer to do John Deere Wheel. And it it's that kind of song. It's got that kind of beat to it. And uh it's an it's an honest to goodness line dance song, but it is it I kinda when I sent him the example of what I wanted it to kind of sound like. Remember the Fabulous Thunderbirds uh uh Tough Enough? Remember that song? Uh, I yeah, I love that song. Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to kind of have it sound like having a, it's what I call drive. It has a lot of yeah. drive to it. And, um, and that's what it ended up and it turned out great. I mean, that, uh that song is still being played worldwide somewhere. I mean, I just got a note the other day from some uh, radio station, in Japan that is playing it. I've got a, there's a radio station in LA that sent me an award that, said it made their number one played requested song on the radio. And they sent me a little plaque, you know, K I X X or something like that. I don't remember what it's called, but anyway, it um, it's been very popular. Um, and it, uh, it was, it went up to about and on the Texas chart, I think it went up to about 30 or something. You know, Texas is kind of fickle though. The uh, they want red dirt and that's what they want. And, to me, Red Dirt is three chords and a screen, three chord screen, three chord screen. And uh, if you listen to any Red Dirt music, that's just think about it for a minute when you listen to it, what old Morgan told you, three chords and a screen. Because it, it, it's like mama told son, she said, you're going to be popular on the radio one day. I'm going to get you the guitar lessons and you're going to learn three chords on it. And you don't have to take singing lessons. Your voice is just fine and just go out there and scream all you want and it's the three chords and screams and man, it makes a hit. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, if you, if you go online and listen to, Oh, probably the best one to hear that would be the ranch here in Dallas, Fort worth is the name of the radio station. You'll get all of the three chords and a scream. You can say grace over it's, it's amazing. And in Granberry, some of these little restaurants—that's all they want to—that's all that they will hire—is these red dirt singers. And you'll walk by one of the restaurants, and you'll hear the guy in there, three chords and a scream, three chords and a scream, singing these songs. It's incredible. There's no, to me, people ask where I got my, how I learned how to sing, and I said, well, church choir and all that. But when I've got into this full time, I found out who the number one voice coach in the world is for country music. It's a lady by the, by the name of Kim Sadowski. And she's the voice coach. She's discovered Beyonce, number one, but she's Kenny Chesney, uh, Brad Paisley, Alan Jackson, all Her, she's her co- their coach on top of all that. She's not cheap, but she taught me so much. And it changed my whole world as far as the way I sing. And uh, you know, it took a guy that probably couldn't, I mean, probably wouldn't have ever gotten through these songs if it hadn't been for her. I would, wouldn't recorded half of them, and that's how good she is. But um, you know, it, and I, I, you know, I said I would suggest anybody if somebody came up and said, "What do I need to do to get in the music business?" Get your voice coach. Not a music, not a, not a, a, a teacher, a voice coach. If you have a teach, if you if you have to have a teacher, you're not going to make it you got, you got to have the talent to start with, but you got you need a coach. You need somebody that's got that experience and, and knows the stuff. And she was teaching me stuff. We were practicing things that didn't ever make any sense to me in, until I started, you know, singing again and applying some of their techniques. And, man, it made all the sense in the world. And, uh, you know, great teacher. you not cheap. Again, he's pretty expensive, but. It wouldn't I wouldn't be here talking to it if it hadn't been for her. And I owe a lot to her. And um, and then I wouldn't I'd be remiss by not uh, uh, giving a shout out to Chuck Rhodes, who was the guy that actually was the guy that was on the other end of the phone when I sent those three or four or six songs, whatever it was, cover songs that had me come out to Nashville to talk to him. And if it hadn't been for him, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have recorded anything. He he advanced my career in leaps and bounds overnight. I mean, it was unbelievable. And it's, that's another suggestion to people. If they want to get into it and you really want to get into it, get in, get in with somebody that believes in you and will and will tell you the truth. They'll either tell you keep your day job or, you know, you got things to learn. Like he told me, he says, uh, he says, you know, I asked him one time, I said, any chance I ever will, ever sing on the grand Ole opera he said about the same chance as climbing mount everest and i said Oh, okay and he said look he said you've got to pay your dues in this business and he said that took me a long time to pay mine and he said i slept in cars and not didn't have enough money to buy a hotel room and all this other stuff and i said sound like my dad was walking eating miles in the snow to school story and he says the truth and um so anyway he uh he told me, he said, that's going to be, well, speed up the process another five, six years. The other day, he said, I said, how about Grand Ole Opry? And he said, well, it's not now Mount Everest anymore. It might be a little bump in the roads. So he's pushing to try to get me in there. So I'll see what happens.
0: It you know, was, never- uh, it was funny. When I was 19 years old, I went to Nashville for some songwriting yeah. thing. Yeah. And I cold called a lot of people because I just wanted to get, trying to get my music in front of somebody. Yeah, And one yeah. person called me back. I said, okay. Yeah. So I went and I had this interview with this gentleman and I, this is how 19 year olds, everybody know when you're 19, you're stupid. You don't, yeah. you don't sure, get yeah. everything. So yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm talking with him and uh, he's reading my stuff because I couldn't really play guitar. Then I was just writing. I want him. I was trying to get him yeah. off for songwriter. Yeah. And uh, so he's listened to it and said, yeah, you got some good stuff. You need to do this, this, and this. Uh, he said, and then come back and see me. And I was like, okay, thank you. Thank you for the first time. And I they never did anything. That gentleman, yeah. his name was Alan Reynolds. Oh, wow. And, wow. He, and this was in the 90s, right, when Garth Brooks yeah. was just discovered. Yeah. I, I saw a picture of him with Garth. I didn't think nothing of yeah. it. because I, I was 19 yeah. years old. I didn't, what did I know?
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. Right. Well, Chuck, Chuck is, uh, he's uh, produced Charlie Daniels, um, Crystal Gale, um Cletus, whatever his name is.
2: Or yeah that's him. Yep.
1: Uh he's uh what's his name guy down in Louisiana uh sings uh Cadillac style what's his name? Duh, uh, uh Kershaw Sam uh, Kershaw Sammy Kershaw. Sammy Kershaw Sam Kershaw. Uh and of course Daryl Singletary was he in his is in his mind was his most famous act because he was he Daryl was one of those guys that had a cult following mm-hmm. and he was that close of making it real big. And um, Chuck knew it. And, you know, Daryl was only forty three years old when he died. Yeah. So, you know, you give him about four or five more years and Daryl would be right up there. I mean, he had some hit songs, but nothing like the Straits and all that. He very well could have been another George Strait if he did or Luke Combs or whatever whoever you want to call it because he was that good. As a matter of fact, one of the songs, I usually try to dedicate one of the songs I do on my album. I did the, I did uh, Beautiful World on my first one. The second one was, uh, I can't remember what it was, but the third one was uh, Amen Kind of Love, and that's on this new album. And um, I don't do it because I want to copy him. I do it for the love that Chuck had for him and the admiration I had for Daryl Singletary. And uh, it goes without, I mean, I, when I decide to do that, it's one of those deals where I call Chuck up and say, I think it'd be okay if I sang this song. Well, heck yeah, let's do it. And so, matter of fact, uh, same thing goes. I did a, a Keith Whitley song uh, and I got a hold of Lori Morgan and asked her if that would be okay. And of course, we got her blessings on it. So, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, I, I want to make sure that everybody's happy with what I do before I do it. But uh, anyway, that's you know, I wish we we could talk all day. I've got a million stories, but uh, you know, it's been a fun ride for me. I mean, I I never in my wildest dreams think thought that I would even go any further than I had in that studio that day, uh, first recording my first song. But you know, it's thank goodness for the fans in Europe and Australia. I'm big in, in those towns. Uh, I've had people want me to, some of the radio stations over in Europe want me to come over and sing over there. So that might be one of these days I might hop on a plane and do that. You know, they've got over there, artist gets on a plane, goes over there. He's already got a band. They already know your music. They, they, they when they set up a tour over there, there's these incredible musicians over there that copy everything you do. And um, they're good. They're real good. And so um, all you have to do is just go up on stage and sing with them. They know exactly when you're going to come in, all that stuff. They got it down. And so maybe that may, might happen someday. I hope so. I hope that happens soon. hope I'm
2: uh,
1: old, old enough or not old enough. I'm definitely old enough. But uh, hope I'm to a point where I'm well enough where I don't have to walk on a cane or fall on the stage like some of these guys we know right now. But, uh, you know, that's kind of a dream. The Grand Ole Opry is uh, – definitely was was a dream of mine that i've had you know you you know you think of, i think of it every day i've got it on this on this pad i'm watching you with it's a it's the wallpaper on my pad of sitting backstage i was lucky to go backstage and meet all the people i met uh oh gosh i can't remember who all was there that night but uh a bunch of big ones and uh it's kind of funny too because uh, uh the Riders in the Sky were one of the groups, and I'd already known Woody Paul from I'm a big fan of theirs, and I'd love those guys. You know who I'm talking about?
0: Oh, yeah, I know the Riders in the Sky.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so they would come to Dallas or Austin or whatever, and I got to know uh, Woody. He, he, he was kind of the only one that would sit there and talk to me. But when he was there at the Grand Ole Opry, I walked up and said, Woody, he goes, What are you doing here? <laughs> I said I came to see you. He said you're kidding me. He said you come all the way from me. the last time he saw me. I was in Austin. He said you come all the way to, from Austin. I said no, I came from I came from Granbury, Texas. So uh, and he did, I had to explain where Granberry was, but uh, yeah, that was a fun deal with him. It was a great, great night, great night. But thanks for having me. I don't know sure. anything else that I can answer. Or, uh,
0: no, I think I think that's
1: about it. Um, you got a lot. You got a lot of of. Uh, cutting room floor to do <laughs> or over
0: with that's why i said what i do is i take the audio for yeah. the conversations i'll edit it yeah. down some and yeah. i will um let you know it's gonna be a couple months before it's released because i mean i've got if i showed you a list i've got like 20 yeah, people sure, yeah. i that's had no to problem. start doing two episodes a week so that yeah. i could catch up
1: and that's, that, that's fine but
0: i'll let you know but yeah. before i I'll let you go sonny tell everybody your social media where they can find you mm-hmm. all that stuff yeah
1: uh, you can find me on uh, sunnymorganmusic.com That's my website, and it's up to date. Uh, Sonny Morgan Music on Facebook. And if you want to get a little deeper and you want to become a fan of Sonny Morgan, uh, get on Sonny Morgan Music, and I'll invite you in. And that's okay. how that works. And then, of course, I'm on Twitter, and I don't – you just go on Sonny Morgan. I think it's Sonny Mo- at Sonny Morgan 11 I think, or M 11 I think that's what it is. And then uh, Instagram, you can pull that up. It's Sonny Morgan and go in there and pull it up. Um, they'll know who it is. It's uh, There's only one other Sonny Morgan singer that I know of, and he's a uh, black reggae singer, and that's not me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it. Uh, I don't sing reggae. And, uh, you know, by the way, I, is that a Martin guitar sitting right there? Behind me? Behind you uh yeah.
0: which 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 one i got 3 of them i don't know it's, which one uh, you can it's, see
1: this one right here uh, the the tan one there uh, the, no that's a taylor a, that's a taylor yeah there's a taylor my, there's an
0: ibanez and there's a ketma the black one is a ketma guitar oh
1: i got you oh i see it there yeah i've got yeah. a i've got a martin that uh, i love man i love playing that thing
0: and then i got my rogue dobro or resonator back there too this oh that's
1: yeah me. yeah there he is. yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so the band I'm was here there. last yeah. night we were practicing
1: oh, oh man if uh if i'm ever uh, close enough to you i'll call you maybe we jam absolutely that'll be great, As, be great. Now, i love it.
0: I did have a question for you for maybe some yeah. people that are listening that might have question like you keep saying it's writers so i know some there's a lot of talented songwriters here in georgia and people that are listening are you, do yeah. you accept people's songs how do they oh, get sure.
1: songs you to them? You like terrence allen the guy you know i've never met him face to face i've talked to him on the phone and he uh, he had the faith in me to record that thing, and when I finally sent it up, sent it up to him, he, I, I, he's in Utah. He just went nuts over it. He loved it, and uh, I think he's going to try to sell it to some big name somebody. You know, he's trying mm-hmm. to push it to another level, but that's okay. I'm, you know, I've I've gotten a lot of accolades from it, and he liked it, and and but yeah, there's a, uh, you know, what I like is you you've heard my stuff and you can listen to the, you listen to my, listen to my second album, which is called I'm Your Man. And that's got a lot and listen to John Deere steering wheel. I'm dying to get another real fast, you know, you know, really quick, you know, catchy song again. So if there's anybody out there that, that, uh, has something like that, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. And, And, uh, you know, I don't mind if somebody's got some Texas red dirt they want to send me. I'll try three chords on a string. I'll try that. <laughs> now I do have a song. Like, I'm, I'm you talk about greatest hits.
0: I'm I'm writing an album called The Greatest Hits You've Never Heard, and it's basically yeah. just m- songs that won't work yep. with my band because my band yep. is more Southern rock, just with my voice, blues yep. kind of stuff. Yep. But I yep. do have a traditional. I think it would be a traditional country song. It won't fit my voice. I, I may send yep. it to you. It's called In with the Old yep. and Out with the New.
1: Oh, that sounds good. That's a good catch.
0: Good and I, I wrote that for uh, this buddy of mine, he, uh, Keith Burns. He was in Trick Pony, and it was his birthday, yeah. and he was getting older. So I was like, ah, oh, you know what? Everybody gets old. They always have that saying, you know, in with the new, right? Out with the old, in with yeah. the new. So I flipped it. It's like, well, what yeah. if you're old? Yeah. You don't want to be kicked out to the pasture.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's, that would fit me perfectly. So I, I'll send it
0: perfectly. to you. It's rough. You can you know, this, this right here.
1: You know, if you look at my albums and all that stuff, I had, I had brown hair. That was, that was pre COVID. I'm serious. When, when COVID hit, I lost 150 gigs. I didn't know where I was going to make any money, where the money was going to come from. Mm-hmm. I'm a counterman, you know, that kind of thing. And I sat there and worried myself sick to the point where this started happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, uh, just take a peek at the old albums there and those things were only taken back in, uh, Oh, I guess those pictures were taken. The first album came out in eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, something like that. So it hadn't been that long. I see you got a little bit of that stuff starting to pop up on the chin there. Oh yeah, that's my
0: <laughs> that's from my kids, my daughter probably yeah. mainly.
1: <laughs> just just hang on, it will it will happen. But oh I, yeah. I, it, between that and pneumonia, man, it was uh, that pneumonia killed. I mean, it was a tough deal. I I uh, got that over Christmas, and man, I'm telling yeah. you. That's the worst sickness I've ever been I've ever had. And I caught it. I guarantee I caught it at a gig. Oh yeah. I know I did. I know I did. You know, because all these people come up and hug you and all that kind of stuff, and I know that's where it happened. Mm-hmm. But about two days later, that's when it started popping up. So, anyway, you don't want to get that. Try and get you um, when you're you're a little young right now, but you get another four or five years in you, go down to the CVS and get you a pneumonia shot. It'll try. It, it won't be as severe. And I did that. If I, and I probably died if I hadn't had those shots,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's how bad it was. I was on a breathing machine, all this other stuff Oof. telling you, man, I didn't have a voice. I could hardly even talk. I, I was wondering if I was ever going to sing again. And um, first time I went out and did a show, I got about, I got an hour into it and man, I was huffing and puffing. I mean, but it's, it's come back now and that's, you know, it's great. The only, the only bad thing about pneumonia, there's side effects, and one of my side effects right now is, uh, um, it's caused an irregular heartbeat, and they got I've, I've got a doc, this heart doctor, that's trying to put it back in the rhythm again. He's going to do something next week, but you know, it, it's if you read about pneumonia and all the weird stuff that happens, it's it's not fun, especially you know, the older the older we get. Worse it is. And if an older person, I mean, a real older person gets it, they're probably not going to make it. Yeah. And that's how bad it is.
0: My mom but, had uh, uh, COPD when she was alive and got pneumonia yeah. a lot. So oh, she, mm. she, she, toward the end, she was so bad. I mean, it's, yeah. we had her, my wife is big on uh, like uh, whole food, plant based stuff. Yeah. She's yeah. been reading yeah. all yeah. that and watching all those videos. So we put my mom on it. And now, yeah, I think my mom was, in her 60s she didn't when she died she wasn't even i mean she only died a couple years ago right after COVID. she never caught COVID. thank yeah. god if she caught COVID. it would have yeah. got her sooner but uh we got yeah. her um on this plant-based food diet she was actually walking again she was coherent because we brought her down to the house i was like because it's all yeah. we live in all family on land and we brought her to the house and said mama you got to eat this yeah. so we, we made her nothing but vegetables we fed her we made sure she had everything She was talking, she was walking. She was back to, to being, I mean, she always had COPD. She couldn't do anything with that from the years and years of smoking. Um, but she said, I'm better. I'm going home. I was like, you sure? And I, and I wish to this day that I told her no, but you know, she's a grown woman. I can't really without tying her to the damn chair. What am I going to do? So she went back to her house. She started eating fast food. She started just not eating right. And she just went downhill fast.
1: Good gosh. I take these, um, I don't get enough vegetables. I take this stuff called nature's balance. I don't know if you've ever seen those or not. It's it, we take, we take, I take six of those things a day. And, uh, I tell you what, it does make you feel better. Definitely does. I'm glad I take them. My wife's uh, got
0: me in some kind of, uh, super green smoothies that she makes. Yeah. Yeah. little spinach. I don't know what all is in it, but it's bananas, pineapple. I mean, got a lot of different stuff and I'll drink it it now.
1: If it tastes okay, I'll, I'll drink it
0: long well, as so I, I can smell the banana I can drink it otherwise I can't yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you throw kale or something like that in there I'm out <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, we had I had a customer get this I had a we have we back in Austin we had a Whole Foods very close to where I had my dealership mm-hmm. and I had a customer came in he bought a Bentley from us and he had a bunch of groceries that he didn't want to keep out in the car because he wanted to finish the paperwork up and all. So I said, just use our refrigerator here. So he puts all these groceries in there. And so he said, Oh, I got to get my groceries out. So he gets the groceries out. And I go back there and get them and open that refrigerator up and it, damn near the kale and knocked to me down. I said, what in the heck have you got in there? Oh, I'm in big and kale. I got, it's almost full of kale and it stunk so bad. I had to, I had to take everything out of that refrigerator and air it out. Because it stunk so bad. I didn't want all the food in there that we had that tastes like it.
2: See, I, I don't
0: but, ever smell the kale. I don't know what the hell he had, but I don't think it was just
1: kale. <laughs> well, it was kale. I mean, it was to take a big whiff of it. It's pretty, pretty potent. Anyway, <laughs> uh, give me steak, baked potato all day long. I'm fine. Well, what was it what? Uh, Betty White lived the 90 on vodka, vodka, all right. Of, so she was. And Willie, you know, he, he, he smokes a little bit every day or a lot oh, of all yeah. every day. Yeah. i a... all outlast you both. You know, that kind of thing. He's uh, he's quite a character. I tell you, it's, it it was so much fun. He and Charlie pride both were two guys that I'm sure glad I met over the years and got to know real well. I mean, uh, Charlie, especially because he lived, his house was on North Haven, which in Dallas, which was right down where I used to have this Cadillac store. Mm -hmm. And I'd go over there. He'd call me up and say, bring me one of them yellow Cadillacs over here. And let me take a look at it. So I'd take one over there and we, We'd sit and talk more than we did to look at the car, but I bet I sold ten or fifteen cars to him, and he, such a great guy. And uh, you know, I could I could name a thousand people, but one of the funnier stories, and I'll we'll get I'll get off the phone because I know you're busy, but uh, one of the funnier stories when old Ross Perot was running for president, and the paparazzi were following him everywhere, he went out and bought him a Dodge minivan with all the wood on the side of it and all that, they had the windows tinted real dark. Some no one that knew that's who it was. Well, this Cadillac store I was at, he'd get so tired of of uh, all this publicity and all this stuff that was happening to him. He'd come into the dealership. He'd run into my office, close the door and lock it. He said, "He said you're gonna babysit me for two two at least two hours." I said, "He said well go ahead and do your business, but I'm gonna sit here for a little while." And that was, I, that was right on the edge of cell phones. I don't. I think we still. I think we had cell phones, but they were those big, huge ones. He didn't carry one. Yep. And, uh, you know, he just sat there and listened to all my stuff that I do, you know, seldom walk in and you know want to work a car deal or something. And he'd sit there and, Oh, we, I'll come back. Mr. Perot, oh no, you come in, come on in, come on in. But it was, uh, and GMAC, I'll never forget. They called me to approve a car deal. And I said, I said, uh, they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm here talking to Ross Perot. And he said, yeah. And, uh, and I'm mean, Elvis Presley, or whatever they said. I said, No, here, talk to him. This is Ronx Perot. Who is this? You know, that kind of thing. That was a fun, those, those were fun days. Yep. But, uh, you know, what it was was the, you know, you sell one of these stars and they talk a lot because they talk amongst each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Charlie right. Pride was the one that gave Willie Nelson my name to call me. And Chris Louis Messina, who is a producer of arena shows. He's a big man on campus in the music business. He gave George Straight because I took him. I took good care of him. I was straight up with it, and he trusted me. So here he goes and sends Straight. And of course, Straight was probably the best. From a Straight would never, you know. I kept asking him. I said, "I know you know a jillion country stars that would drive these same cars. You need to send me one." He said, "I don't want any of these guys to know I drive them." I said, "George, that's impossible." It, it's all over the all over the world wide web that you've got a Rolls Royce. How do they know that? I said, They just do. People know what you got. It's no secret. And he said, Well, I said if you any, he said, if anybody asks them what kind of if anybody brings up cars, I'll tell them to call you. I never got one call from anybody from me. But I know that I know that Blake Shelton, of course he one not good friends with him, but I know he's got Bentleys. I'm there's a lot of them got Alan Jackson's got several hot he's got a Bentley. I know he does. And, uh, you know, you got the money. You're going to go out and buy you, you know, a Nissan Altima. No, you're going to buy you. You're going to buy your rollers, what you're going to buy.
0: I think if I spent that kind of money on a car, if I had, if I was making that kind of money, I think I would buy myself a Lamborghini Countach. That's what I've always wanted.
1: That would be my splurge. Well, what you need to do before you go out and buy it, you need to drive it because yeah. they drive—they drive like a Ford tractor. They're so bad. They—they they, they got a clutch. It's like a sticking your foot against a brick wall. Mm-hmm. The steering is like driving it. I mean, it's. Uh, I've, I've traded for many of those things back in the day, and they're hard to get in and out of. Oh yeah, if you're going to get a Lamborghini, get you a Huracan. They're the best. I mean that. First fastest car I've ever driven is a Lamborghini Huracan. It was some kind of special edition,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm telling you, it's easy to drive. Um, it it's easy to get in and out of. It's comfortable inside. It's got the air conditioning works well in it, and like a Countach, you have to you really need to drive it in the fall and early winter because the heater doesn't work real well, and the air conditioning didn't work at all hardly. It just kind of spitter out, but. A uh, Lamborghini Huracan, super nice car. Real I think I'm
0: nice more car. of a uh, Nissan Altima.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I had, I had uh, some pretty nice rides when I was in the car business, but now I'm down to, a, I've got a Nissan and a Hyundai. It's what I drive. So uh, anyway, they're good enough. Right. Good you enough Got to go. That's it.
0: That's it. Well, Sonny, thank you for coming on. I've had fun, yeah, man. I can listen to your yeah, stories that, all day long.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I've got a million of them. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, uh, it, it's kind of a funny deal. There's a men's, uh, there's a little subdivision here in Granbury. Actually, it's a little town. It's an in, un, unincorporated little town within Granbury. It's called Indian Harbor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They've got a men's club and they called me and invited me to be a guest speaker there. And I said, what do you mean me to talk about? And they said, just talk about something. And I said, okay. So about two hours later I finished up and I could still be talking because uh, I've got some great stories, uh, life stories that, uh, you know, I, anything from being shot in the gut with a nine millimeter to, to uh, knowing uh, a bunch of famous people to, uh, you know, one of my best customers was Tom Landry. I sold him 15, 16 cars over the years. What a nice guy he was. And, uh, but anyway, I could tell you some stories that uh, I'm glad that I'm glad kind of this is in the the twilight of, of some of the stories, the stories I want to tell is getting a call from Grand Ole Opry, inviting me to come to sing there. That's the kind of stories I want to tell next. Right. You know, that deal. Those are, those, those are the next generation stories. Now to win album of the year from the ISO wars last year was a story to tell. And uh, you know, that was fun. Hopefully I'll get, get something this year. I don't know. It's stiff competition, especially when you're old. You know, I'm so old, I'm old enough to be some of their granddaddies. some of those kids that are in there. But, um, you know, when you turn the radio on, you don't know how old a guy is singing it. So, uh, you know, you never know. You'd think I was 25 or 30 on that, on those songs you played today. So it's kind of the way I look at it. Yep. But uh, anyway, I appreciate it and uh, look forward to hearing from you. I, I keep up with your top 10 stuff during the week that's
0: kind of cool i appreciate that yeah because what i what i do for all the people that are on the show when you're when it comes out i'll put one of your songs in the top 10 i'll bump you up because yeah. when i tell people yeah. that i've got like i literally have got 400 something songs sitting there that are get put in and because with the top yeah. 10 i only do four at a time yeah. right and then yeah. only, only one artist per countdown so i won't let them have yeah. more than one it makes it yeah. fair and it spreads it out. Sure, yeah. uh, the radio station, it's now there's, that's random. It's all on auto DJ. So your stuff is in there too. It, it'll get played. It'll yeah. get played next to, now see, I'm an iPod shuffle. I've always made that joke. I'm, I love yeah. all styles, rock, country, hip hop. It yeah, doesn't matter. Sure. I listen to it. Yeah. it will be on there too. So you can tune yeah. that in and uh, I th- yeah. thank you for listening. And I thank you for coming on the show.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I appreciate it very much. Appreciate you having me and thanks. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch.